Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Real Talk Bible, part of the Edmo Show. So today we are going to be using uh, StreamYard. We're going to be streaming live on to Facebook and Instagram. Uh, Instagram, I got the phone up. I've noticed uh, I've tried to do all sorts of concoctions to get the connection up. I don't understand what's going on. Let me see. You know, it's a, you know, I'm still learning all this stuff as I go, um, but we are going to be getting it cracking. So today's episode of the Real Talk Bible series, we are going to be covering chapter Exodus chapters 11 and 12. So let me get that up. So for those of you that are watching this live on Instagram, I apologize. Um, I'm trying to figure out a way where I, where you guys can see the slides, you know, and see the videos that I'm adding, you know. I just got to find better and newer ways to do that. Um, but for those of you who are watching this on Facebook, you guys get to see the the slides. So if you guys want, you guys can follow me on on Facebook. Um, so that way you guys can get all that sort of content. But if you guys just want to sit here and listen, um, you know, we're also running this as a podcast as well. Now, a couple things I do want to apologize for last week's Bible episode, chapter 10, for whatever reason, um, the data file was just not uh, up and running. So, you know, I apologize to all those who are um, who are podcast listeners. Uh, we couldn't get that one up for whatever reason. The file wasn't working. But thank goodness that we were able to get it up on Instagram and um, and Facebook. First of all, coffee. Yep. Shout out to Black Rifle Coffee straight out of the Dragon Ball Z mug. And also, I, I do want to give a shout out to um, Art of Homage. I'm wearing their Yahovah um, hats, so I'm not, um, you know, I'm not sponsored by them. So I just like their products. So if you guys want to go, if you guys are looking for good Christian or biblical um, apparel, you know, please check them out. They're on, um, they're on Instagram. Just Google them or just look them up. Whether you bang or duck, duck, go it, but whatever. So, um. Just to just to recap, so last episode we talked about the last two plagues, which was um it was darkness and um it was darkness and something else. I forget just how quickly we forget. Let me see. I know I have a note. I know I have notes here. So the last one, so the eighth plague was the locust, and the ninth plague was darkness. And um, we talked about how those are connected with uh, Seth and or Set and Ra. So now we're going to cover in chapter 11, we're going to cover the final plague, the 10th plague, which is death. This one is going to be directly. This is going to be direct to Pharaoh himself. It's not going to be some sort of imaginary um, deity creation, you know, in the sky and all this other stuff. Um God is actually targeting Pharaoh himself. So we are going to get into it. You know, the chapter was very, very straightforward. Um, And our, okay. So of course, you know, our stream is going to be buffering and whatever. Um, It is what it is at this point. So chapter 11, we're going to start off final plague death. Now, Adonai said to Moses, I'll bring you, I'll bring one more plague upon Pharaoh and on Egypt. After that, he will let you go from here. When he lets you go, he, he will surely 
thrust you out altogether from here. Speak now into the ears of the people and let every man ask from his neighbor and every woman from her neighbor for articles of silver and gold. Adonai gave the people favor in the eyes of the Egyptians. Indeed, the man Moses was very great in the land of Egypt in the eyes of Pharaoh's servants and in the eyes of the people. So Moses said, this is what Adonai says. At around midnight, I will go out into the midst of Egypt and all the firstborns in the land of Egypt will die. From the firstborn of Pharaoh sitting on his throne to the firstborn of the maidservant behind the mill. Although, uh, I mean, along with all the firstborn cattle, there will be a great cry throughout the land of Egypt, the likes of which have never been before, nor will ever be again. But not so much as a dog will growl against any of B'nai Israel, uh, neither man nor beast, so that you may know that Adonai makes a distinction between Egyptians and Israel. All these servants of yours will come down to me and bow down to me saying, get out you and all the people who follow you. After that, I will go. Then he, then he went out from Pharaoh. um, He went out from Pharaoh hot with anger. Adonai said to Moses, Pharaoh will not listen to you so that my wonders may be multiplied in the land of Egypt. So Moses and Aaron did all these wonders before Pharaoh, yet Adonai hardened Pharaoh's heart, so he did not let B'nai Israel go out of his land. And that's chapter 11. I should have put that on the back end of chapter 10, you know, but you live and you learn and you build it while you fly it. So now we're going to move over into, um, also, we're, we are using uh, Dennis Prager's book, um, Exodus, God, slavery, and freedom as a good source. I believe you know. I, I've read, I pre-read this book. There were a couple, um, couple highlights that I wanted to point out. Um, he writes um, in verse two of chapter eleven: "Tell the people, uh, though not apparent in the tra- in this translation in the Hebrew, God says to Moses, please tell the people." There is a lesson here for those who have authority over uh, over others. Even though both God and Moses know Moses has to obey uh, obey him, God says, please, when issuing this directive. The, this preserves Moses' dignity as it preserves the dignity of those in an inferior position, enabling them to feel they are partners, not only servants. Um. And then he also writes, uh, the JPS translation reads, tell the people to borrow, but borrow is an odd term since the Israelites were about to permanently depart from Egypt and clearly would never return with what they borrowed. Uh, the answer, however, lies in the Hebrews original, which literally reads, tell the people to ask a rendering, um, a rendering that makes more sense. The Israelites felt compassionate. Um, the Israelites felt compassionate. Uh, compensation was due to them for the centuries of servitude and the Egyptians traumatized by the plagues would probably willingly give them what they asked for, if only to hasten their departure. And then I skipped down here. Um, I highlighted this tidbit. Uh, this is noted because in, uh, because it may have important implications. The Hebrew word used here for neighbor was Raya. 
uh, is the same word used in the commandment, love your neighbor as yourself. Leviticus 19 verse 18. Therefore, neighbor is that central moral commandment may similarly refer to non-Jewish neighbors, not only to a Jewish neighbor, in other words, to all people. Uh, many commentators have argued that neighbor in Leviticus 19.18 refers only to one's Jewish neighbors. And given the context in which the commandment was ordained, both views have legitimacy, but given the Torah's injunction to love the non-Jew living in the Jews' midst, Leviticus 19.34, and the use of the word reyah here, mean, uh, meaning non-Jewish as well as Jewish neighbors, it is hard to believe the Torah only commands loving um, of one's Jewish neighbors. So, and I thought that was interesting because it kind of talks about um, uh, the segregation and um, the respect of different peoples. Um, especially in America right now, we are going through, well, we've been going through a lot of issues with racial tension, cultural tensions um, between a whole multitudes of people. And, you know, I, I'm one of those people where, yeah, I, even though I say that I am a recovering uh, Bible believer because I'm still learning, there's still a lot of things that I don't know, things that I don't understand. But one of the things that in loving your neighbor, I thought was pretty straightforward. I didn't take that as, I didn't take that to mean, you know, you love only people that are in your community. You know, and especially the Bible tells us to love everyone. However, the Bible also tells us to prepare for war and all those other things. So, and I was, I was actually struggling with this idea the other day when, um, you know, just in thought uh, about the fact that the Bible can, the Bible has, uh, throughout his pages prepares its followers for battle. You know, even Yeshua talks about sell your cloak and pick up a sword. You see acts of violence amongst uh, in the regards of the apostles. You've witnessed acts of violence, as we'll see later on, where the Israelites were going to go out and they got to make battle with other people. Um, we've seen it where um, Abraham, you know, went out to slaughter people to rescue his nephew. So it seems in today's mindset People always think it's this or that. Like you can still, and this is why I struggled over it because right now, Bible believers, whether you're a Christian, whether you're Messianic, whether you're uh, Jewish, you know, whether like if you adhere to the to the tenets of the Bible, people are being attacked for our beliefs. Um, a lot of and a lot of the things that are going on in today's world aren't really con aren't really conducive to our beliefs, i.e., COVID. So. It's it's one of those things where I where I still struggle with loving your neighbor, even though your neighbor's attacking you. But you can still love your neighbor, but defend yourself. And I'll talk about that a little bit more later on. But uh, another point that I highlighted was God does all the killing. No Israelite was ordered to by God to kill a single Egyptian. Therefore, even for those who believe the killing of the firstborn was immoral. It was God alone who does it. God wouldn't instruct anyone to do something immoral. And that's, I got to save that for another tidbit because this is probably, and I'm, I'm going to highlight it a little bit, but this is probably one of the reasons why I left the church when I was younger, because I saw 
a lot of acts of violence. I saw a lot of I saw a lot of negativity from people that were in the church. I saw a lot of negativity from people who were in the pool, in the pews, in the you know pastors and all this other stuff. You know, um, and one of the things that you know, a lot of these pastors and churches they were doing things that were immoral. I honestly feel like, and now that I'm learning more, that it is, if you're a Bible-believing person in any capacity, it is your job to help the immoral become moral. Not to not to pass them religion, not to force God down their throat, not to force the Bible by the, uh, down their throat, because you can't do that. People are going to pick, people are going to pick it up when they're ready. All you got to do is make it available to them, make it, I don't want to say palatable, but make it a, make it something that they can understand. And that was something for me because growing up, seeing these pastors talk about people and doing immoral things. And, you know, you got pastors sleeping with other people's wives. You got churches asking for money. But when, when people who go to the church actually need help, the church doesn't help them, even though they're paying the church. I had a lot of issue with that, but my issue ended up forcing me to leave the church, and I did not learn for myself until damn near 20 or 10 years later, 10 to 20 years later. You know, do these things still happen? Yes, but God will never ask you to do something immoral. God will never force you to do something immoral. If, you know... If you got to struggle with that, then trust me, it probably ain't God that's telling you to do it. So um, we're going to move on to uh, chapter 12, the Passover lamb. Now, Adonai spoke to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying this month will mark the beginning of month for you. It is to be the first month of the year for you. Tell all the congregation of Israel that on the 10th day of this month, Each man will take a lamb for his family, one lamb for the household. But if the household is too small for a lamb, then he and his nearest neighbor are to take one according to the number of people. According to each person eating, you are to make your count for the lamb. Your lamb is to be without blemish. Uh, A year old male, you may take it from the sheep or from the goats. You must watch over it until the 14th day of the same month. Then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel is to sw- is to slaughter it at twilight. Uh, they are to take the blood and put it on the two uh, doorposts and on the cross beams of the house where they will eat it. They will eat they are to eat the meat that night roasted over a fire. With a matzah and bitter herb, they are to eat it. Do not eat any of the raw or boiled. Uh, do not eat it. Do, I don't know why I can't read. Do not eat any of it raw or boiled with water, but only roasted with fire. Its head uh, with its legs and its innards. So let nothing of it remain until the morning. Whatever whatever remains until morning, you are to burn with fire. Also, you are to eat with you are to eat it this way, with your loins girded, your shoes on your feet, 
and your staff in your hand. You are to eat it in haste. It is Adonai's Passover. So God gets very descriptive about the Passover and one thing, and it's kind of like Zoe kind of, I love it when, when he talked about this in the past, if you guys please tune into bronze serpent media. Um, I believe he still has videos up on YouTube. I believe he still has videos up on rumble. Just type in Alfonso Rachel, you'll find them. But he talks about, and we've talked about it earlier in Genesis. God loves barbecues. And that's one of the things that kind of attracted me back to the Bible because God was never, God was never really portrayed that way to me. It was always fire and brimstone and all this other stuff. And then you got hippie Jesus. And then you got the the new covenant. And it turned God into this peace, love, and rainbows type type dude. But God is sitting here sitting here telling them exactly what to do. You're, you're to get a lamb. And this, because all of this is a ritual. And the people don't even know it. And that's part of the obedience. Now, it, this is not to be religious. God is directly telling them what to do. And honestly, I think this is symbolic of the the crucifixion, the crucifixion of the Messiah, because let me go back. It says the lamb is supposed to be without blemish, a year old male. Now, there's some scholars that are arguing the length of the Messiah's, um, uh, the Messiah's teaching. Some people say it was over a course of years. You have some that are saying it was the course of a year. If I'm leaning and I'm not saying that, you know, I'm I'm just a a spectator. I'm standing by. But if I got to go over, if I'm making the connection between the crucifixion and the 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 teaching uh, of by Yeshua or Jesus, if for those Christians out there who get irritated because, you know, they they want you to say Jesus, even though that's not the name, but um. I w- I'm leaning more to the side of the fact that Yeshua Jesus had a year-long ministry. I don't believe he had a three-year-long ministry. Um, there's some people who are recreating um, his ministry with uh, some of the feasts that are talked about in the New Testament. So, And it, it was supposed to be without blemish. So remember, for those of you who know somewhat of the New Testament, remember Pontius Pilate had to find... Uh, Jesus without blemish but it was it was the Pharisees and the Sadducees that were pretty much saying whatever you know he sinned against us yada 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 so all right we're gonna move on for I will go through the land of Egypt on that night and strike down every firstborn both men oh my goodness (sighs) neighbors for I will go out through the land of Egypt on that night and strike down every firstborn both men and animals. I will execute judgment against all the gods of Egypt. I am Adonai. The blood will be a sign for you on the houses where you are. I will see the blood. I will pass over you. So there will be no plague among you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. This day is to be a memorial for you. You are to keep it as a feast to Adonai. Throughout all throughout your generations, you are to keep it as an eternal obedience. I mean, or, or t- eternal ordinance, sorry. 
For seven days, you are to eat matzah, but on the first day, you must remove hametz, which I don't, I don't know what hametz is. I probably will do some more research. Um, uh, hametz from your house. For whoever eats hametz from the first day until the seventh day, that soul will be cut off from Israel. The first day is to be a holy assembly for you as well as the seventh day. No matter of work is to be done on those days, except what is to be eaten by every person that alone may be prepared by you. So you are to observe the feast of matzah for on this very same day. I have brought your ranks out of the land of Egypt. Therefore, you are to observe this day throughout your generation as an eternal ordinance. Now, let me see. Let me look up what hametz means. Hametz. Hametz means leaven. So it's pretty much unleavened bread. So you're not supposed to eat leavened bread during this. Uh, let me see. Uh, feast. What did he call it? Feast of matzah. So let me see when the date is. Feast of Type that wrong. So the Feast of Unleavened Bread, um, which is the Feast of Matzah, uh, is pretty much Passover, and it's supposed to be a festival. Um, Let me see the dates. So let's just say for 2021. The Feast of Unleavened Bread for 2021 was on April 3rd. um, Yeah, Saturday, April 3rd. Uh, next year is supposed to be on Friday, April 22nd, which I don't believe that is correct because I, you know, and this is the issue that even on the, the, the Jewish side, because you have a lot of Phariseeism, you have a lot of these man-made laws and all this other stuff where the date kind of shifts, but, and that's to the, the Julian calendar. However, there is a Hebrew calendar um, I'm going to see if I can get my hands on one because these dates are supposed to land on the same, the same count, the same day of the, of that calendar every single year. So, but pretty much this is a springtime feast and it's a seven, it's a seven day feast. And this is something that you're supposed to do. However, Christians don't really practice Passover. Now there's some denominations that do, but there's a lot that don't. Um, I know as a kid growing up, I've never, I've never participated in, um, in the feast of unleavened bread. However, as you guys know, I'm still learning the, the Hebrew roots of the Bible. So I am learning as I go and I'm, you know, the, the missus will probably end up being mad at me, but, um, I plan on in, in 2022, I plan on participating in this, in this feast because, it's it's a lot. It's interesting that a lot of Christians will debate. Oh well, you don't have to do the Old Testament, but remember that everything that Yeshua or Jesus did was based off the Old Testament. So you still need the Old Testament. And however, too many Christians will sit here and say, "Well, the Old Testament is is dead. You don't need to use it anymore. You don't need to adhere to it." Yes and no. There are some things that you can't that you're supposed to which god is saying this is supposed to be an eternal ordinance 
So you're supposed to do this. This is not just for Jews, because remember, everybody who is coming out of Egypt right now is not Jewish or a Hebrew, I should say. They don't become Jews until later on, which Jews is like a denot is a if I if I remember correctly, Judaism is a sect from the one of the kingdoms of the Israelite kingdom. It's you know you, I'll, it, the Bible will explain it later. We'll we'll get into it. So I'm going to continue. So during the first month, in the evening of the 14th day of the month, you are to eat matzah until the evening of the 21st day of the month for seven days. No hametz, so no leavened bread, is to be found in your house. For whoever eats hametz, or unleavened bread, that soul will be cut off from the congregation of Israel. Whether he is an outsider or one who is born in the land. So again, for Christians, technically that would mean you, an outsider. That means you too. Uh, or one who was born in the land. So I'm assuming that that is referring to the, the Hebrews or the Jews and all this other stuff. So you are to eat no hametz in all of your houses for you are to eat matzah. So you're not supposed to eat leavened bread during this during the 14th and the 21st day. And which, think about it. So we understand three is a trinity and three is one of those biblically you know, special numbers. Also seven, seven is a completion, but here you have three sevens. You got the 14th day, which is seven times two. And then you also have the 21st day, which is the third seven. Just pointing that out. I'm not sitting here and speculating right now. I ain't got enough time. So I'm just pointing that out. Then Moses called for all the elders of the land and of Israel and said to them, Go select lambs for your families and slaughter the Passover lamb. You are to take a bundle of uh, hyssop. What is that? I don't know what that is. Uh, Okay, so hyssop is like a plant. It kind of looks like. It kind of looks like lavender a bit. It looks like a lavender plant. So hyssop of uh, is a shrub in or it, oh it's in the mint family, uh, native to southern Europe, Middle East, and the region surrounding the Caspian Sea. All right. So let's go back to our reading because it's a it's a mint that kind of looks like lavender a bit. All right. Oh crap! What did I what did I do? All right. Um, dip it in the blood that is that is in the basin and apply it to the cross beams and two doorposts with blood from the basin. None none of you may go out uh, may go out the door of his house until morning. Adonai will pass through and strike down and strike down the Egyptians. But when he sees the blood on the cross beam and the two doorposts. Uh, Adonai will pass over that door and will not allow the destroyer to come into the houses and strike you down. Also, you are to observe this event as the eternal ordinance for you and your children. Now, listen to what it says there. You are to observe the event, which is Passover. 
um, you're, which is part of that whole feast of matzo or the feast of unleavened bread. However, it doesn't say that you have to slaughter a lamb. It just says you have to observe it. You have to observe the event. That doesn't mean you have to re uh, reenact the, the event. Excuse me. Let me get some more coffee. All right. When you come into the land, which Adonai will give you, as he has promised, you are to keep this ceremony. You see, God says you're supposed to keep it. Now, when it happens that your children ask you, what does this ceremony mean to you? Which means you're supposed to teach this to your children. You are to say it is a sacrifice of Adonai's Passover. So, again, this, I believe this harkens to the crucifixion of the Messiah, because a lot of Christians will attest that we are saved by the blood of Jesus or Yeshua and all this other stuff. Again, and if you guys haven't noticed, God typically speaks things twice or he says things uh, multiple times to kind of drill it into you. So that tells me, as someone who's witnessed this in the pages of the Bible, that it will keep happening. You know, just because it happened once, it will happen again. And when it happened, uh, when it happens again, it will be a fulfillment. So, uh, where did I where did I leave off at? As this is a sacrifice of Adonai's Passover because he passed over the house of B'nai Israel in Egypt when he struck down the Egyptians, but spared our household. So the people bow their heads and worship. Then B'nai Israel went and did it. They did just how, just as Adonai had commanded Moses and Aaron. So it came about at midnight that Adonai struck down all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, from the firstborn of Pharaoh sitting on his throne to the firstborn of the captive who was in the dungeon and the firstborn cattle. So this doesn't mean child. This does not mean child. This means firstborn. So, and apparently it says sitting on his throne. So I'm assuming that the firstborn of Pharaoh is a prince. I'm speculating that this firstborn may be Tutankhamun. I'm not saying it's factual. I'm speculating. So, and that's just me. Because remember, Tutankhamun died mysteriously even though egyptian um egyptian uh history and archaeology isn't 100 percent accurate a lot of times it's speculation due to um situ- due to observance you know i'm just speculating uh, but i'm gonna continue reading then pharaoh rose up in the night he and all his servants and all the egyptians and there was a loud wailing in egypt for there was not a house where someone was not dead. So he called for Moses and Aaron at night and said, rise up, go out from my people, both you and B'nai Israel, go serve Adonai as you have said. Take your flocks and your herds as you said and be gone, but bless me too. Now, the Egyptians urged the people, sending them out of the land quickly, so for they thought we will all be dead. So the people took their dough before it was leavened with their kneading bowls bound up in their clothes I mean in their cloths on their shoulders. So B'nai Israel acted according to 
to the word of Moses. They asked the Egyptians for articles of silver and gold and for clothing. Adonai gave the people favor in the eyes of the Egyptians and let them have what they asked for. So they plundered the Egyptians. <laughs> then B'nai Israel journeyed out from Ramesses and, and Succoth, I mean, to Succoth, uh, at, you know, uh, S-U-C-C-O-T-H, but 600,000 men on foot as well as children. Also, a mixed multitude went up with them. Again, like I said before, it wasn't just the Hebrews that went. It was a mixed multitude. So again, that is to highlight that just because you're not Jewish, if you adhere, let me get my Bible. If you adhere to this, if you adhere to the word of God, you are to observe Passover you are to observe the feast of unleavened bread because it's not it wasn't only the hebrews or the israelites that went out from egypt it was a mixed multitude so also a mixed multitude went up with them along with their flocks herds and heavy livestock they had baked matzo cakes for from the dough that they brought out of egypt it had no hametz or leavened bread because there were because they were thrust out of Egypt and could not delay so they had not made provisions for themselves now uh, the time that bene israel lived in egypt was 430 years so it happened at the end of the 430 years to the very day that all the armies of adonai went out from the land of egypt again the Bible is calling the, the Israelites the armies of Adonai. It was a night of watching for Adonai to bring them out of the land of Egypt. The same, this same night is a night of vigil for Adonai for all of B'nai Israel throughout their generations. Then Adonai said to Moses and Aaron, this is the ordinance of the Passover. No foreigner may eat it. But every man's servant that is bought for money after you have circumcised him may eat it. Nor should a visitor or hired servant eat it. It is to be eaten inside a single house. For you are not to carry the meat out of the house. Nor are you to break any of its bones. So I think that that, uh, that whole breaking of any, uh, any of his bones goes back to when Jacob slash Israel had his fight with the unnamed angel or person. I, be, I believe was Yeshua. That's just me. Some people say it was the devil. Some people say it was just an angel. Some people say it was another man. I say it was the Messiah. That's just me. I'm not saying that I'm correct. All the congregation of Israel must keep it. But if an outsider dwells with you, who would keep the Passover for Adonai? All his males must be circumcised. Then let him draw near and keep it. So that, that, that means if you're circumcised, i.e. Christians, because Christians practice circumcision, we are to we are to observe this. I'm not I'm not genetically Jewish uh, or biologically Jewish. Not that I'm uh that, not that I'm sure. I'm pretty sure 23andMe probably says I'm probably 0.001%, but you know, whatever. I'm a big bag of trail mix. You never know what you're going to get. So 
then let him draw near. He will be like one who is native to the land, but no circumcised person may eat from it. The same Torah applies to the native as well as the outside, out the, as well as the outsider who dwells among you. So again, this Passover feast must be observed by everybody. However, if you are not circumcised, circumcised, you cannot partake pretty much. It's not going to mean anything to you. But even if you're not, even if you're not part of Israel, if you are circumcised and you observe it, you are you are to be circumcised. You are to adhere to the to the um, to this ordinance, and you are to partake. You're supposed to eat the meat inside your house, so no cookouts. Um, which never mind, because <laughs> after I said, I kind of thought about well, they were sleeping in tents and all this other stuff, but whatever. So Albany Israel did so. They did just as Adonai commanded Moses and Aaron. Uh, it was on that very day that Adonai brought B'nai Israel out of the land of Egypt as armies. All right, and that is it. So uh, let's see what Dennis also has to say, because uh, I know I highlighted a couple things. Yeah, okay. So he writes here in verse one, the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, um, the Torah in, uh, interrupts the narrative of the plagues to list the laws of the Israelites uh, must be followed on the eve of the exodus. From a dramatic perspective, this is poorly situated since the suspense is now at its peak. God is about to bring a final and most devastating plague upon Egypt. Perhaps these laws are inserted here because God will not take the Israelites out of Egypt until they first reaffirm their connection with him. So this kind of goes back to... Um, it kind of goes back to what uh, I just read in verse 12 when um, you have to be circumcised to partake in this ordinance. Uh, after all, the purpose of the Exodus is not only freedom. Freedom alone gives license and result in anarchy. That's why in God's name, Moses repeatedly demand fr- demanded freedom for the Israelites so that they may worship me. Exodus 9, 1. 10 verse 3 and also 5 verse 1. All right, so what does it mean to worship God? And I really loved this essay. It's kind of short um, that he writes. And how exactly does one worship God? Ritually, of course, but especially ethically. That is, God is primarily worshiped throughout moral conduct and the and emphasized repeatedly over the Bible. Do what is right and good in the in the sight of the Lord. Deuteronomy 6 verse 18 the holy God is made holy through the righteous through righteousness. Isaiah five verse sixteen. Uh, he has also told he he has told you, O oh man, what is uh, what is good and what the Lord requires of you, only to do justice and to love goodness and to walk humbly with your God. Micah or Micah six eight. Thus says the Lord, it lets not let not the wise man glory in his wisdom. Let not the strong man glory in his strength. Let not the rich man glory in his riches, but only in this should one glory in his earnest devotion to me. For I, the Lord, act with kindness, justice and equity in the world for I, for in these I delight. Jeremiah nine, verse twenty three, verse twenty two through twenty three. 
this listing of laws directing Israel, directing the Israelites on how to worship God is therefore intended to remind the Israelites they are liberated from Egypt to serve God. Um, Dennis talks about uh, kind of like what I went over, the sacrificing of the Egyptian gods, um, which I kind of found was interesting. So verse 3 through 13, God outlines the laws of the Paschal sacrifice. The Paschal is from Pesach, the Hebrew word for Passover. Offered on the eve of Exodus, a purpose of the sacrifice, like the purpose of the plague, is to teach the Israelites and the Egyptians about God. The lamb was one of many animals worshipped as gods in Egypt. The Israelites are therefore instructed to slaughter a god of their oppressor as a way to serve their own God, which was exactly what Moses warned Pharaoh would so infuriate him and the Egyptians. The question of morality of animal sacrifice is discussed in detail in the commentary in Leviticus. Suffice it to say here, uh, the, the pesco sacrifice, like most, the animal sacrifice in the Torah was eaten unless one holds that all meat eating is immoral. There is no moral problem in, in, in animal sacrifice. It was simply a ritual slaughter for food as opposed to a secular slaughter, uh, uh, a secular animal slaughter for food. Okay, let me see. Um, and he writes another essay about the virtues of delayed gratification in reference to... Uh, Verse six, you shall keep watch over it until the 14th day of this month. The Israelites have uh, have to acquire the lamb on the 10th day of the month. But until uh, but in, but ah, but they are not allowed to slaughter it until the twilight of the eve of the 14th day. Four days later, the lamb was the slaughtered uh, was to be slaughtered. And at the end of the daylight hours on the 14th day, uh, immediately uh, used for marking the doors and then roasted for the meal that night. This waiting period might have been intended to test the Israelites' faith. Could they maintain faith in God that was stronger than their fear of the Egyptians? Could uh, Who could attack them at any moment for preparing to slaughter one of their gods? Another possible purpose of the waiting period between the acquiring and slaughtering of the lamb was to teach the Israelites the value of delayed gratification. Ordinarily, people slaughter an animal just before they eat it. However, the Israelites were also performing this slaughter for the sake of God, and thus their bodily hunger had to be subordinate, uh, subordinate to God's commandments. In addition, given that slaves are generally underfed and usually served the cheapest at and least tasty food any delay in consuming the roast lamb required genuine self-discipline this delayed gratification emulates the passover seder which commemorates the exodus in the order of events described in this chapter one of the seder's components is an elaborate meal which is not eaten until the first half of the book the 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 Haggadah or Haggadah whatever um, that contains the Seder prayer and the story of Exodus is read and discussed 
at traditional cedars this process before the meal uh the meal lasts um at the least one half uh one and a half hours all right um and then he has a longer essay um he kind of goes over he has two essays do all believers and one god believe in the same god no uh the essay the six commandments of remembrance of the torah and yeah so yeah verse uh chapter 12 is is a very interesting one he also talks about educating one's children is a divine law the education of children is prescribed in the torah see also deuteronomy 6 7 and children are encouraged to ask questions to this day children raised in traditional and non-traditional jewish homes publicly recite the four questions the ma nashtana uh, at the passover cedar uh it constitutes most children's first act at public speaking i.e speaking before a group of adults and it is not and it is not done by affirming a religious credo but by asking questions this is one of the four verses of the torah dealing with the commandment to educate children about the exodus the talmud associates associates each verse with a different type of child a wise child a bad child a simple child and one who doesn't one who does not know how to ask uh, this question in the verse associates with the bad child because he asks, why do you mean, I mean, what do you mean instead of what do we mean or what does it mean? He uh, imp- uh, he is imp- uh, implicitly excluding himself from the community as if he was above it all. Now, that part right there, and we're kind of, we're crushed for time, but that part right there is what I wanted to get at. The, the questioning... And especially the uh, the part about children, because I know before I started getting into the Bible and I started uh, having this desire. Let me go ahead and close that out. Um, before I started having the desire to adhere to the laws of the Bible and really understand and find a connection with them. Um, I know me and my wife, we talked about how will we raise our children? And one of the things that we talked about was religion um of course i come from a catholic and a baptist background i was baptized catholic as a child and um growing up my parents we went to baptist churches uh same thing with my wife she grew up catholic um however we don't really observe catholicism like that uh, in our house um uh, not to say that I'm a little bit more religious, but we both practice our religion more individually instead of as a household, which is something that we're working on because we're still trying to find our way. Um, we're still trying to get everything situated. So when we talked about children, we said we didn't want to raise our children in a specific denomination. Now, you know, and and I've heard people say, oh, they want their children to make their own choices. I agree to a, to a degree. Now, I'm not going to force because, one, I, I still have an aversion to religion because religion is the practice of men. What I will do is I will adhere to what the Bible actually says of what the holy feast, what the holy holiday, what the holidays 
you know, that are ordained by God, not by man, but the, the holidays that God has said, this is a day that you have to observe. This is a day that you have to remember. This is an event that you have to participate in in order to be a part of my house. Now, growing up, we never did that. So for me, all this is new. Uh, my parents, we just did Christmas and we did Easter. Um, you know, um, so now that I'm growing in as an adult, I'm growing in, in the Bible and my understanding, I will raise my children to do the same thing. I'm not going to raise them to be religious. I'm going to raise them knowing the Bible and what the Bible says and what the Bible is. Now, once when my children become older, yeah, it's on them because your relationship with God is personal. My relationship with God is not your relationship with God. Your relationship with God is not my relationship with God. You know, my mother and I, we kind of got into it the other day because we were talking about the COVID shots and stuff like that. My mom is a is a is an advocate for the the mandate. I'm not. You know, I I I I'm thankful that there is a vaccine. However, I don't like the fact that there's aborted fetal cells in the in the vaccine. But having the opportunity to make the choice is what I appreciate. If you want to get the shot, get the shot. However. So I explained to my mom how I would not be getting the shot because of my religious observances. And my mom says, well, what church do you go to? And I said, I don't remember anywhere in the Bible where it says where God has mandated that I pick a church and I and I become a member of that church. And trust me, I still have an aversion to church because to me, a church I don't find God in church. I, I just don't. I Yeah, you can go to church. You can get the feel good energy. You can you can get the holy praises. You can get that that uplifting feeling. But that is just that is just manipulation to me. You know, I feel God more. Let me see. I feel God more when I read this. I don't feel God at all when I go to church. I don't. I feel God more when me and my wife are, are having our our conversations. I feel God more when I'm sitting outside and I'm having a nice cigar. That's when I feel God the most. I don't feel God in church. To me, you call it the house of the Lord, but it's not. And, you know, that's just me. Um, I, I don't see anything in the Bible. I don't see anything. The only place that I know that was sanctified by God himself was the tabernacle and the, and the temple that Solomon built. There's no, I, I, you know, or the, the, the altars that the, that Abraham, Jacob, uh, Isaac have made to, to God. Other than that, just because you build a church does not mean that that's God's house. That that's just me. So I'm not going to press upon my children religion, but I will teach them the Bible. I will teach them what the, what the, what these things mean because no one can really say without a sh- with clarity why Christians or Bible believers celebrate certain holidays when they talk about Christmas. Oh, well, we know that uh, we know for a fact that uh, Christ wasn't born on December 25th. It's we're just celebrating the fact that he was born at all. Well, if you want to practice the fact that he was born at all, then maybe you need to read the Bible and actually see when he was pat when he was actually born because it tells you you know um you want to practice when he was actually crucified well you got to practice passover not easter 
you know, and it tells you what to do. It says you're supposed to eat lamb, not ham. So there's a lot of things that the Christian world does that goes against what's written. Perfectly fine, but, you know, I say don't go along with the religion because it sounds right. Go what the word actually says. And reading the word, I found a lot of things that I was in conflict with, you know, and especially as the child, I believe that I was the bad child, as Dennis said, because I didn't understand. But I think a bad child is a child that either is misinformed, uninformed, or who just doesn't know how to ask questions correctly. And as Dennis said, it's it's the child that does not associate with you. The child that doesn't associate with the practice. And as a lot of Americans, we are children that don't associate with what the Bible says. We still have all this infighting. Well, you got to be this. You got to be that. You got to be Catholic. You can't do this. You can't do that. You know, it, what does the Bible actually say? Not what man says. What does the Bible says? You know, it, it doesn't say anything like we're supposed to remember the birth of the Christ and all this other stuff. It says these are the ordinances that you have to observe forever. Whether you are an Israelite or not. Whether you are born in the land or you're a foreigner. And as long as you're circumcised, like it's like it depicts in Genesis, that is one of the that is the first starting point. But I believe, and and I can only talk about me. I was the bad child because I did not understand. I did not associate with the Bible because I saw a lot of wrong that I knew was wrong, but I couldn't articulate why it was wrong. I just felt it in my soul that it was wrong. Sorry, the neighborhood. Uh, beautification so with that being said um you know i I really look forward to going on this journey with you guys um like i said we're going to be doing some more changes uh we're going to be going over a couple things i i do want to i do want to spread i do want to open up the real talk bible series to where we're not just talking about um the verses the scriptures i i kind of one of my ideas is to have a biblical chat where I do want to get um, people, you know, interviews like I do with uh, with Zoe, where we can have questions and answers, where we can talk and communicate and and um, pretty much spread the word, spread the actual word, not this, not this, uh, not this, not religious talk or whatever. Um, it, it, you know, we're also going to be doing changes with the Edmo show, uh, so. Who knows? Who knows? I got to figure out a way to organize this thing. But what that requires is help from you guys. So if you guys please want to help the show out, we do have PayPal. Um, As you guys can tell, if you're watching the stream, we're having issues with technology. Um, You know, we're having issues with getting stuff and I do need help. I am asking you guys for help. So if you guys want to help me out with either joining the show, sharing the show, if you guys want to be a part of the show. Awesome. You know, I am I'm looking for editors. I'm looking for people to build a website. I'm looking for people to help me design merchandise. I'm looking to work with other people. I'm looking to collaborate with other people. If you know someone who is creating content like mine, please uh, get me uh, connected with them. Um, If you guys just want to be a part of the show, share it. Um, If you guys want to call in, I'm I'm willing to do that. I'm trying to figure out an adequate way to where we can have a call in show. 
And as I said, I'm about to have more time in my hands so that way I can dedicate more. But I do want to grow the Edmo Show family. So please help us out. Um, like I said, we got PayPal. Um, if you but if you're down to your lonely bottom crusty dollar, please just save it. Um, just share the show, like the show, give us five stars. And yeah, but until then, I will see you guys next time. And we are out. Peace out. Peace out.